My name is Matt Rappold, and you're listening to Midtown Conversations. Is there anything more quintessentially community than amateur theater? Local volunteers coming together to put on performances that are emotional, poignant, political, and sometimes just downright hilarious? Well, this week, I was joined by Matt Walsh, president of the Kitchener-Waterloo Little Theatre. He talked about how the theatre is dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic, its biggest disruption in almost 70 years. Here is our conversation. Matt, thanks so much for joining Midtown Conversations today. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about how you got involved originally with Kitchener-Waterloo Little Theatre and uh, what is your job as president? What did that look like before uh, before this situation happened here with the pandemic? Sure. So I was first involved with the Little Theatre sort of peripherally back when I was an undergraduate at UW 20-odd years ago. Uh, I moved away for a while. I came back. And uh, some friends of mine sort of recruited me to the board of directors about seven years ago. So I have been the rentals manager at the theater ever since. And I'm just starting my fourth year as the president of KWLT. And a lot of the role of the president is like with any nonprofit, uh, particularly volunteer, excuse me, volunteer driven ones. It is making sure that people are on the same page, that the things that, legally speaking, need to get done are in fact getting done, and to facilitate, to make sure that the volunteers have the resources that they need to succeed in our projects. For sure. You said you were involved in the KW Little Theatre back in the day. Do you remember your first production? Uh, Sure. So I was involved with another theater group that was connected to KWLT. Uh, The first show that we did was a concert version of Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, great. And I was singing the role of Mr. Mushnik, the shop owner and the second body, if I'm recalling the plot correctly. Great. That's amazing. So we're over a little, uh, a little over five months into the current COVID pandemic right now. Take us back to March of this year, uh, back when we were just starting to understand the reality of what this virus was going to do to every aspect of the uh, society. What were the conversations going on in the KW Little Theater back then? And was there a moment when you thought like, oh my gosh, this is really going to be a big challenge for us? Uh, as an organization? Sure. Well, there was a couple of things going on. We had just wrapped up our annual March Madness theatrical competition uh, around the first weekend of March, and we had the Femme Folks Fest uh, in our space operating as a renter with uh, some production sponsored by Pat the Dog coming in. And that was when we first started to get rumblings that maybe there's going to be disruption. They had a show that was postponed. And then all of a sudden, they had to take everything out of the theater and try to put as much online as possible. Uh, At the same time, we had one of our shows, our production of East of Berlin, was going on to the Western Ontario Drama League Festival. It was hosted down at Cambridge Community Players. Wow. And there was a lot of uncertainty about what was going to be happening there. Uh, Originally, they said the festival is going to go on. And then at 
very nearly the last minute, they pulled the plug on it and said, no, we can't do this. And I think that was the first thing that really sort of brought home to us that this was going to be a seriously disruptive event uh, for our theater and for theater in general. Theaters are obviously full of volunteers. And I mean, there's so many people involved in any given production. So, I mean, I can imagine that would be a huge task, just coordinating communication and making sure everybody's on the same page. Yeah, exactly. Um, We had one production ongoing at the time in rehearsals uh, of Forehander called Cock. And then we had scheduled for late March some auditions for uh, our final production of last season, a musical called The Last Resort. And so the initial conversation was, do we need to postpone these auditions? Do we need to uh, somehow figure out a way to put them online? And we ended up just having to sort of suspend them indefinitely, right? So The Last Resort is going to go on at some point. We are going to have auditions for it at some point, but we don't know what that point is anymore, right? Our production of Cock was suspended for a while, and then just last month, the uh, the cast and crew jointly decided that they couldn't sort of keep this on hold indefinitely. And so that is unfortunately a show that we are not going to see on our stage, at least anytime soon. That's really too bad. I, I was looking online and I saw that uh, Gary Abbott, who I think was involved in the production side of Cock, he wrote a great blog post about some of the challenges with uh, this pandemic and having to postpone a, uh, a play of that magnitude. What is it like emotionally and you know, socially for a cast to rehearse you know, something, a, a performance like that, and then all of a sudden to have to pull the plug on it? What is that like to, to, for the actors and the production uh, crew? Well, it's got to be heartbreaking, right? I mean, I wasn't directly involved in that production, but I know many people who were, and I know how much planning, how much of themselves they really put into the process. And so to have that just taken away this way, it's, it's got to hurt, right? Has that ever happened before? Have you ever been, I mean, you've been involved in the KW Little Theater for a long time. Has there ever been a situation where you've been forced to cancel so many productions? So we've had a couple of disruptions in the past. The most recent major disruption was back in 2002 when we had a fire and about half of our building burned down. We had productions in rehearsal at the time and we ended up finding uh, other homes to put those on at. I believe the one that was most imminent ended up playing at the Button Factory. And then for the next seven years, uh, KWLT became a traveling company. We found stages wherever we could while we were in the process of rebuilding our space. And so we reopened in 2009. And from then until now, we have the show has basically gone on, right? We had a, a cancellation for an ice storm back a couple of years ago when we were doing Merchant of Venice. And other than that, uh, we've had you know cast members who have gotten sick the night of, and so someone had to stand in for them, but the show still proceeded. Uh, to find a disruption that actually shut us down for a while, you have to go back to World War II. Oh my gosh. Right? Eddie Brady, started in 1935 and then closed its doors around 1941, 1942 for, you know, I think obvious reasons. 
And then after the war in 45, you have uh, Norman Gowdy, who was the owner of a department store downtown at the time, really made a push to bring us back. And so by 1946, we're back on our feet uh, and performing again. I mean, this this pandemic really has been a once in a generation uh, thing for almost every sector. But you talked about how the theater is pretty versatile. Theater companies can be versatile. And obviously, this situation has demanded an unprecedented response and embrace of different technologies. How has a KW Little Theater um, continued its operations uh, when the theater doors are now sadly closed? I mean, for the most part, we have been pretty low-key in the last few months uh, because we are a volunteer organization, right? We have... uh, We sort of exist on the space of extra mental and emotional labor of our volunteers. And of course, a lot of that has been in pretty short supply of late. Uh, We are planning some online activities. So things like uh, staged readings, radio play style presentations, uh, maybe some roundtables with other uh, theatrical and performance groups around the region. Uh, A lot of that is still very much in the planning phase. And of course, I mean, this long into the pandemic, you have to ask whether a lot of people are sort of online out, right? It's like for the first couple of months, it was there's streaming concerts every week and there's all sorts of things going on. And now that this has sort of become the new normal, I think people are beginning to get a little bit weary of all of this. So Uh, We are trying to get some activities going while we cannot reopen our space physically. Uh, But, of course, we have to temper our expectations of what that's going to look like. For sure. I think that people were online and and really looking for content at the beginning. But after five months of virtual concerts, virtual performances, and just the amount of live uh, of content that's coming in online, um, I think you're right that people sometimes can be a little bit... um, online out, like you said. On June 5th, though, you did tease something uh, called the Black Box Radio Stageless Theater. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So this is effectively an extension of what we call our studio series. So we have our main stage plays, which are, you know, ordinary plays with rights that are associated with them and the whole bit. Um, And then we have our smaller scale productions where people have the chance to be a little bit more experimental. It's low budget. It's lower commitment, which means that more people can get involved. You're not signing up for three months of rehearsals. You're signing up for maybe three weeks, two weeks, two days in some cases. Uh, So this is what we want to do with the Black Box Radio series. Um, We are going to be putting out a I don't know how many, I want to say a a series, but it might be a very short series of uh, radio play treatments of uh, scripts. Some of them are going to be public domain. Some of them we're probably going to be reaching out to the local playwriting community to uh, work out something there because, of course, we want to support our local professional artists as well. So that is still ongoing. We had our annual general meeting for the theater a few weeks ago. And so we're still sort of shuffling into place the new board year, our new officers. Uh, Once that's settling down this week, we should be in a good position to sort of move forward with that. 
That sounds super exciting. I can't wait to see what's, uh, what's coming out of that. That sounds great. You're listening to Midtown Conversations here on Midtown Radio. My name is Matt Rappold, and today you're hearing my conversation with Matt Walsh, president of the Kitchener-Waterloo Little Theatre. So, I mean, the pandemic has been obviously an unprecedented challenge for all community groups and all aspects of government from, you know, the national level right down to the community level. But also in May and June, conversations around racism and systemic injustice were also put front and center, both around the world and here locally with the Black Lives Matter movement. I mean, the Black Lives Matter march in downtown Kitchener had, I think, about 30,000 attendees. It was a surreal and amazing um, show of of solidarity. Um, And of course, theater is also not free from those aspects of systemic injustice and racism. You had in June Lin-Manuel Miranda, Viola Davis, and others releasing statements, and Closer to Home Stratford Theatre released its own statement. Has there been conversations within the Kitchener-Waterloo Little Theatre community and um, about how to respond to those issues? Uh, we've started those conversations, certainly, and we've had a couple of our members reach out to us specifically to ask Uh, what we as a community theatre are going to be doing surrounding some of these issues. Um, Of course, our sort of community theatre tradition is very, you know, Western, very English uh, in um, in its background. We're maybe a little bit atypical in terms of the kind of fare that we choose, but at the same time, as a volunteer organization, the people who get their shows put on are the people who show up and the people who show up are often the people who have been, you know, who feel themselves welcome. So we, and you know, this is, this is what systemic means, right? I don't think there's been any real effort to try to exclude uh, black indigenous and people of color from our, uh, from our seasons. At the same time, uh, we haven't, always made much of an effort to really reach out in that direction either. So that's certainly something that we are going to be concentrating on this year going forward. And in terms of community theater as a medium, and I mean, theater is so powerful. It it can be used to um, express emotions and and politics and and social movements. What do you think the medium of theater and especially community theater can do to really make a, a positive difference in this fight for equality and equity? So the thing about live theater um, is its immediacy, right? You see things on the television. There's, a, there's a, a real disconnect there between the person who's watching at home and whatever's showing up on the screen. Uh, I think that with live theater, you can really impact people much more closely because there's so much less apparent mediation there, Right. Uh, particularly in a space like ours. We're a 60-seat black box theater. Um, The audience, the front row of the audience, is literally three feet away from our actors in most of our productions, sometimes less. And so it's. I think we have the opportunity there to really uh, help bring home some of these issues, right? Some of the plays that we've been looking, uh, that we've seen most recently have dealt with uh, questions of generational guilt. You know, we had East of Berlin, which was the story of the son of a prominent Nazi doctor who grew up in South America without fully realizing 
what his father's history was. Uh, we had the December Man, which deals with questions of public violence and in particular gendered violence and the effect that that can have on the surrounding community. So there's a lot of opportunity there to sort of bring up these kinds of issues and really get people to empathize, right? To get people to see things from a new perspective because of sort of how immediate that experience is in the theater. Does that make sense? Definitely. I mean, community theater, the, the intimacy of a community theater performance, I think, is unparalleled when it comes to live, uh, live entertainment. It's just incredible to be able to sit there front row or even back row. That's not that far away from the stage and be able to watch a story like that. It just you can really feel the emotion and, and see that in, in the people performing it. So Waterloo Region just recently entered stage three of the reopening, and I'm sure that's posing a whole host of new challenges for your organization. Tell us about what you have coming up in the next couple of months. Sure. So we are coordinating with other theaters and performing arts groups in the region because no one wants to be like the group that goes forward too hastily and then there's an outbreak and then they've sort of ruined it for everyone, right? So uh, Sam Verteniak from the Registry Theater and JM Drama started reaching out to other groups to put together this working group that we're calling Restart Waterloo Region with Art in capital letters. Uh, and this is sort of a way to share best practices in terms of uh, procedures for implementing social distancing and PPE protocols within the theater space, for sharing resources about grant opportunities, et cetera, to, to keep the community afloat, uh, and so on. So we've been talking. Uh, the effort just got going a few weeks ago, and we're still sort of making sure that everyone who needs to be part of this conversation is part of it. So if you're listening to this, if you're part of a performing arts group, if you are with the theater or other venue, uh, feel free to get in touch with us. You can email me, president at kwlt.org, and I will get you connected to this group and you can join that conversation. Great. Matt, thank you so much for joining us uh, today. Before I let you go, I do have one more thing I'd like to do. Is it okay if we play a lightning round? Sure, why not? To get to know Matt Walsh, the person, a little bit. So, what has been your favorite play to watch? Oh, crap. <laughs> That's going to be a hard <laughs> one. Um, Starting off strong. <laughs> one, I want to say that one of the favorite plays I have seen us put on was Hunting Cockroaches, uh, which was a few years ago. It was the first play that I was involved with as a producer, and it's this really surreal um it's the experience of two eastern european immigrants in you know communist times to new york city and sort of trying to over the course of one sleepless night putting their lives into perspective and so you have these uh ghosts from their past who just sort of come out of closets and show up and interact with them in strange ways and then vanish it's a very surreal experience and it was a lot of fun Next question is, if you were going to binge watch one of these famous catalogs, would it be the catalog of Shakespeare or would it be the catalog of Andrew Lloyd Webber? Probably Shakespeare. I think uh, Lloyd Webber would get a little bit tedious, particularly towards the end of the Arver. <laughs> yes, I, can, I think I agree with that one. Uh, what was the first play you ever saw? First play... 
Oh. I cannot remember. I would have been quite young. Um, I do not know the first play I ever saw. I can tell you the first play I was ever in, uh, in grade seven, was this uh, sort of hippie-ish uh, play called Say Hi to Owsley. And I remember almost <laughs> nothing about it. Um, there were aliens, and one of them had given up hope. And there was, I don't know. What is the best theater snack? So you don't want something that's going to be too crunchy. Uh, that's the big thing, especially in a small space, you don't want to be making a lot of noise. So for something like that, I like, um, like a pure chocolate bar, like an arrow, mirage, dairy milk, that kind of thing. And, uh, where is the best space to sit in the KW little theater? I would say, uh, second row right near the aisle, um, because that's nice and front and center, but at the same time, you're not running the risk of having actors tripping over your feet. Um, and you're also <laughs> just far enough back that you're probably not going to get interacted with if it's not your thing to, you know, get interacted with. Uh, if yeah. you sit in the front row, then you're inviting people in some of our productions to come and have a moment with you. And maybe that's what you want. I have to ask, has anyone ever tripped over someone's feet in the audience? Yes. Almost certainly. Um, we had, when we did our production of Hair a few years ago, we had a very interesting staging that the director called Theater in the Donut, where we had sort of a central stage area and then seats around it, and then there was more action outside of that. And so we had people, like in the middle, you didn't have chairs. You had cushions that people could sit on. And so it's, you know, you don't have a lot of room to move your feet at that point. It's very difficult to, uh, to avoid stumbling over people sometimes. For sure. And last question, outside of live theater, what do you think is the best entertainment in KW? Outside of live theater, uh, I am a big fan of live music. I don't get out to it very much uh, and haven't for, you know, the last seven or eight years, what with one thing and another. Uh, but... Um, so I've enjoyed concerts at the Starlight, and I'm sad to see that they're going away. For sure. Uh, I've enjoyed concerts at, um, uh, oh, what, I think it's gone away as well. The Rain Tree is gone now. It's uh, one of the early sort of vegetarian restaurants, but they also had musicians come in. So I saw Mark Barube and the Patriotic Few perform there a couple of times in sort of the mid-aughts. Uh, so that was a fun venue for live music as well. Matt Walsh, thank you so much for joining me today on Midtown Conversations. I appreciate you take the taking the time. And we are all looking forward to when we're able to walk back through the doors of the Kitchener-Waterloo uh, Little Theater and see the first production. Thank you so much. Thank you. We're all looking forward to it as well. That was my conversation with Matt Walsh, president of the Kitchener-Waterloo Little Theater. Thanks so much for spending some time with me here on Midtown Radio. Keep yourself dialed into the station for the very best in local music, arts, and conversation. I'm Matt Rappold, and we'll chat again soon. Music